Very good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Palace fans throughout the world. Welcome once again to the Red and Blue Review as we look back on events at Sellers Park yesterday as Palace took all three points against uh, a Bournemouth side who were visiting us uh, as we finish our season against the three promoted teams from last season, which is a rather uh, a quirk of the fixture list. Um, joining me this evening on the show, um, we've got some great guests. Uh, we've got Mr Tim Richards back with us. Um, back by popular demand from last week. I've got it down here. Is that right, Tim? I doubt that very much. Hello, everyone. Good to see you. Good to see you, Tim. Thanks for joining us again. And once again, we have the legend that is Mr. Jim Cannon. Uh, 600 on appearances for Crystal Palace. And Jim, we're honoured by you joining us on the Red and Blue Review. Of course, good evening. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. All the better uh, for a good result yesterday. Absolutely, yeah. And you were there in the ground yesterday? Yes, I was, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, making up the quartet this evening on the panel uh, with me is uh, Fergus Tidd. Ferg, um, good evening. How are you? Good evening, all. Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you, Ian. Echo Jim's words. It's always good to come on the back of a win on the Excellent. show. And you, and you were um, you were uh, away last week. You are in Ireland, um, I believe. Is that right? I was, yeah. I was watching the show in Ireland last week. And unfortunately, <laughs> watching the game with a Spurs fan. So... <laughs> And tell, and tell us why you went to Ireland. What was that all about? Uh, Dad's 80th birthday. So, um, and here he is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> here he is. This is Paddy. Oh. This is, is Fergus, his old man. And you can actually see Ferg in the mirror there taking the picture. Uh, yeah. Happy birthday for last week to Paddy. Um, Palace fan all his life and watching us live from Ireland. So uh, I thought it was. Uh, um, I we wish him well on the show tonight from everyone at the Red and Blue Review. So that was good. So he had a good time, obviously. I did, yes. Yeah, yeah from what stuff. I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Um, it's um, it's quite an evening. We've got lots of people joining us in, in the chat. So welcome, everybody, one and all. And we'll come and uh, we'll, we'll try and interact with your comments as we go uh, through the evening uh, tonight together. Um, quite an anniversary this weekend as well. Quite uh, a, a milestone. Ten years since we celebrated that playoff semi-final win on the South Coast. And there is Wilfred Zaha, Dicker Joy Zaha, oh yes, uh, single-handedly firing Palace to Wembley. I think the commentary was something along those lines, but I didn't think we should uh, let this show pass without mentioning that great night. And there in the bottom left, we've got uh, Ian Holloway, who was our manager, of course, back 10 years ago. And that will segue nicely into um, a special guest that we've got joining us later on this evening. Um, we have uh, Jamie Groves joining us later after we've discussed the game from uh, Goals for Gosh. I will tell you all about that. And Ian Holloway is involved in that. So really good. So let's cut to the chase. Let's get straight into the game from yesterday. So Fergus, um, you uh, were with me yesterday. We travelled. Um, well, we didn't travel together, did we? We normally travel together, but we. Uh, I saw you in the pub before the game, and uh, we haven't spoken much afterwards. So, uh, so, so, tell us about the the team selection first of all, and then let's get, let's get into the game. And Jim and Tim will join in as well. Yeah, so there was obviously just one change. Um, Hughesy came in for the injured slap. So um, yeah, we kept our very attacking lineup, which was um, really good. And I think Hughesy's a great replacement for slap. And, um, yeah, as we go through the game, um, he was quite key. I thought he had an excellent game yesterday, as, as did all the players. Um, so, yeah, get, getting into... So, I, I was going to mention just before, like, the referee was um, Michael Salisbury. And I think the key person that we'll talk about later was the VAR guy who was a Andy Madley. 
um, but we'll, we'll get on to that. Um, so the, the first 20 minutes, I guess it was fairly edgy. I mean, Palace had the majority of the possession, but there wasn't any real um, chances to talk about. I guess the, the only real significant moment in the first 20 minutes was um, a potential penalty on Zaha um, when he was running into the box and the legs got tangled. Um, yeah. At the time, I wasn't sure, but when I watched it back, I think it was probably a penalty. And I was a little bit surprised that that wasn't reviewed. Um, so, but can I moan about VAR? No, not really, after um, what happened a little bit later on. But, but yeah, so that was the only real chance in the first 20 minutes. I think it was just two teams that were safe in the Premier League, just feeling each other out, um, Palace being the more dominant. I'm going to mention something that happened in the 23rd minute. It wasn't massively significant, but it was Joel Ward. And I don't know if everyone saw it, but he did that. Did that sort of like drag the ball back, spin, beat a couple of players, passed it to Elise. He's, and, and he did it. He, he had a run against West Ham down, down the wing, I think, against Suchek, where he just out-sprinted him. Mm. His game has just come on leaps and bounds. I just think he's he's really, really improved, just under Roy, just in the last sort of like six games. It's been, it's been an improvement. How do we explain that then? Because, you know, people earlier in the season were sort of screaming for... And a replacement at right back, really, in, in the January window, because people thought that both Klein and Ward weren't quite up to it. But uh, Joel Ward, I agree with you, Fergus. I think he's proven us wrong. It's like a, you know, the autumn of his career, and he's he's found this extra gear. Um, Jim, you, you you've played in defence, not on, on well, you have played fullback. Um, you know, does this happen often? Do you think to see players like Wardy develop? Well, I, I don't so much so much develop. I mean, if you took clippets of Wardy when he was 28 and what he does today, there's no difference. People tend to just categorise him because he's 32 and he's not your modern-day attacking, spends 90% of the time in the other half, fullback. Yeah. That's the modern game. So he's an old-fashioned type of fullback. But there's not many people who do it better than him. And uh, I find it hard to even remember a bad game. But the fans tend to get on. If somebody goes by on with a bit of pace, right away, oh, he's losing his pace. But yeah. everybody gets beat at some point in the game by pace or positional play or whatever. So I think he's been one of our best players all season. Hasn't put a foot wrong. And I think under Roy, Roy probably... Would prefer him, I think, more to Klein. Klein is quicker, but I think Wardy gives us more going forward. Uh, Klein tends to give the ball away quite a lot. Um, so I think it's like all the players that are playing at the moment. Roy seems to have given them the freedom to express themselves. We're under Patrick, whether it was because we weren't getting the results and people were in the shell a little bit. Um, but certainly, he's, uh, he's, he's a flying machine. And that 360-degree drag pack was absolutely brilliant. And, uh, and fair duty on the fans loved it. So, yeah. In, indeed. Someone just said, Mark Callaghan, best right back since Paul Hinchwood, Jim. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I suppose he's. I mean, he's been what? Eight, how, how long has he been in the first team? No, eight seasons, ten seasons, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, ten or eleven, really. He had a he had a period when he wasn't selected, where Aaron Wambasaka got into the yeah. side, didn't he? And he was he was played second field to him. But um, yeah, you know, ten, eleven seasons, absolutely fantastic. Um, Tim, you wanted to come in. Yeah, I was just still on Wardy. I think what it's. Because uh, haven't been aware of until this season. The thing I've noticed with him this season is there have been several games where, in the first half, he's been playing a certain way, and it hasn't worked or it's not been quite right. But he seems to have the intelligence that when he comes out in the second half, he like will play a different way. The manager obviously speaks to him and is intelligent enough to pick that up and actually be more aggressive or play in a different way and bring something new, which I don't think all players can. So. Yeah, I think he's been brilliant. Thanks, Tim. We've got a slight echo from you that wasn't there pre-show, so I'm not sure what that is, but hopefully it will go away. Okay, Fergus, sorry, back to yeah. you, mate. Yeah, okay. Uh, 25th minute, um, Elise runs at, at Vina. He, he was doing that the whole game. That um, The guy, I think he's on loan from Roma, isn't he? So I think he's a pretty decent defender. Um, but he was just having a nightmare with Elise the whole game. And I think eventually he got taken off because of it. Um, but, yeah, Elise, he runs past Vina again, um, crosses into the box. Uh, Kelly gets it away for Bournemouth, but it falls to Ward. And he finds Ayu in the box and Ayu heads it wide. So, decent chance. Well, well wide, wasn't it? Yeah. Well wide, yeah. Um, and again, I think 26 minute. Um, Elisa on the outside of Vina again and cut him with his left foot, curled it across to the back of the box. <laughs> Zaha's making that run in at the far post. Um, he, he swings a boot at it, misses it. And I think the ball actually goes through his legs. I think it goes Is through it? his legs. Yeah, yeah um, from three yards out. So, yeah, glaring miss by Zaha. It's very, very unlike him, but um, yeah, another good chance. And then, um, yeah, and I'll be interested to see what your guys' views are on this. So, um, 31st minute. So, we get a corner. It's taken short. And then, all of a sudden, the ref blows up. There's a Bournemouth player down on the floor holding his face. Uh, Anderson's walking away looking a little bit sheepish. And, and, uh, and yeah, and then there's a VAR check for, um, I think, was it dangerous play? or Yeah. You know, and... Uh, yeah, and, and the check goes, it's completed, um, and they carry on. Um, but watching it back on, well, I mean, they had plenty to say about it on Match of the Day, didn't they? But, you know, normally when I get home, I watch it back on the, the um, Sky highlights. And it was definitely, he closed his fist, he knew what he was doing, he hit him square on the nose, <laughs> one-inch punch, and, um, and apparently broke it. Apparently broke his nose. Yeah. Uh, according to their manager. Um, but how he got away with that, I will never know. Um, yeah. I mean that, that was straight red. Comments in the in the chat saying um walked into his fist, someone says. Um uh, then uh, Joan says Anderson was very lucky. Um great hit from uh, Zhao, says Dave Hart. Um but no, I I think I think it was probably the right decision because I don't think there was intent there. I think he might have had his fist there, but it was 
I don't know. I'm always seeing things through red and blue tinted spectacles, you know me. But um, yeah, Nick says, match of the day spent more time on the punch than they did on the actual game and more, certainly more time on the punch than they did on our goals. Um, look, we got a bit of an echo on here. I don't know what it is. Hopefully it's not my end. I don't know. Um, normally we're all right. But um, just test, test your thing when you're not speaking, guys. And, and mute yourself if you can, if you're not speaking. And we'll see where it, if it goes away. So we, we, that was the 31st minute, Fergus, when Anderson yeah. got away with one, yeah? Yeah, that was. And then 39th minute, Palace scored the first goal. Um, Zaha Hughes and IU. That little combination. Slick passing. Uh, sends a boat. Sends it back to Zaha, and then he's he's you know he's down on the left. He's got three Bournemouth defenders around him, and he just you know does what he does best: cuts back, um, crosses the ball low. Ayu gets the, the the slightest of touches, but he does deflect the ball very slightly and um, leaves Eze with an open goal just to smash it into the net, past Neto in goal. Great, great finish. I don't know if someone can tell me how many passes we had leading up to that because it was quite a good build-up um, to the goal. Um, yeah, I would yeah. suggest there was about eight or nine passes prior to that. You know, there were quite a few in down the left-hand side um, before yeah. Will did his magic. And I, I couldn't believe he didn't get the assist. So my social media post said, Will's assist. It wasn't his assist at all. It was uh, Joel Nye who got a flick on. And got yeah, the there was just enough on it. Just yeah. enough on it, but um, it was it was not dissimilar. I don't want to spend any time on this. Do you remember when Newcastle beat Everton? Isaac's run down the left hand side, absolutely brilliant, and someone else did the same to him, and he didn't get the assist. There are Nigel, producer guy. Every, every outfield player touched that ball in the build up to that goal. Did they? That was on the right. That was on the commentary yesterday afternoon. Oh, that's not dissimilar to that one we scored at Anfield when we went 1-0 up and then um, lost 4-3. Remember that a few seasons back. And also so, the Brighton goal last year. Yeah, yeah. Brighton. Was say yeah, of course, that yeah. goal. Yeah, of course. I forgot about that one. Yeah, good stuff. Anyhow, see you later. <laughs> you see you later. <laughs> he likes to do this occasionally. He just pops yeah. in. So, so, Jim, what was it like in the director's box? You know, were you all jumping up and down and hugging each other at that point? Uh, not so much as we did against West Ham. It was, I, I, you just got the impression that we felt we were going to win the game. They offered nothing. Uh, so they were all up and obviously enjoying the moment, but it wasn't as tense as a couple of games before where getting a goal was like winning the, winning the lottery, really, yes. wasn't it? So. There was almost an expectation, wasn't there, yesterday? I mean, you know, I'm sure the players didn't go out expecting to win as a given, but I think there was an element of Bournemouth. You know, they were still they still had to be beaten, but there was an element of Bournemouth on thirty nine points, not quite on the beach, but thinking about it. You know, they've almost done enough. You know, um, we still had to beat them. We still had to play good football. But up until the point when we scored, we were the better team by distance. They didn't even look like scoring, did they, Bournemouth? You know, we bossed it big time. Um, so when we did score, it wasn't unexpected. It's all we deserved and more, really. You know. Fergus, and there was another chance, wasn't there, towards the end of the first half, which I'm sure you're going to come to. Yeah, so this is uh, Anderson. So yeah. when he, he hits that long, rasping ball right across the pitch, uh, Zaha, touch, first touch, superb. And then he goes bursting down that left flank, cuts inside, has a shot. And normally, nine times out of ten, we see them nestling in the back of the net, don't we? 
Um, yeah. He scored quite a few like that, but unfortunately, it's it's gone the other side of the post. So, um, yeah, unfortunate. It would have been nice to go in 2-0 up. Um, I think then it might have been a bit of a cricket score then. But, um, yeah, I think Bournemouth were, you know, at half-time, they were probably thinking they were quite lucky to be going in at, at 1-0 because we did dominate the game. Yeah, and we they did. Offered, they offered nothing, really. Yeah. And, and Tim, you, you watched the you watched the game on a on a stream. Um, what watching it on a stream is different to watching it in the stadium. Is there anything you'd want to add? You're muted at the moment. Yeah, it was uh, the first thing I, I want to say is how amazing the crowd sounded. Considering it's towards the end of the season, nothing really to play for, as in we're perfectly safe. It, the atmosphere. But Wendy was watching it with me. And I, the atmosphere sounded amazing. And and the game, yeah, it would have been very easy for us, even at 1-0, just to sit back, nothing to play for. But I've got to say, it's the way we kept going, the kind of football we were playing. Yes, I know it was against Bournemouth. Yes, I know they weren't very good. But you still got to turn up. you still got to put the effort in. You know, you're getting paid a lot of money to play there. And I was so pleased, especially... If you think about the season we've had, you know, getting rid of Patrick, what a lot of us said at the time, and how we were being dragged into relegation zone. If you'd said back then, well, the last couple of games, you get two wins, joint highest point total. Considering the season we've had, yep. it's a great season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Facebook user, we were Brazil yesterday, and the amount of passes over the 90 minutes. If that was Man City, there'd be, uh, I think, men drooling on match of the day. Uh, but no, only interested in the Anderson incident. So, on to the second half, then, Ferg. Yep, the second half. Um, so, the, the first real opportunity uh, from a corner, and um, it's, it's, it's hit low, and Wardy stoops really low, heads the ball out towards the edge of the box and Hughes is there on the volley. Um, and it does, it, it looks more of a straightforward save. I think it was a great save by the keeper, but I think it made it more difficult because it just went through a, a group of players. So I don't think he saw it until quite late. So it was probably a better save than we're given credit for. But yeah, great, great chance by Hughes. Um, superb first-time volley. Um he hasn't scored for Palace, I don't think, in the Premier League, has he? No, he hasn't. So no. they, 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 they made that point I much think, Yeah, I just, I just think it'd be, it'd be great to see him get a goal in the next couple of games if he's, if he's playing, if Slap's not back. He, um, he almost struck it too well, didn't he? Do you know what I mean by that? You know, left-footed on the volley, perfect, absolutely perfect connection. Yeah, if he, if he just misses it slightly and it cuts off at a slight angle, it probably goes in. Um, would you would you hold with that, Jim? Did he hit it too well, Hughesy, for that volley? Yeah, I mean, he, as far as he's concerned, he hit a perfect strike, but it was just possibly too near the, the keeper. If he'd have cut across it, maybe, and put a bit of spin on it, it might have ended up in the top corner, but I'm sure he was quite pleased with it, but he yeah. obviously would have liked the goal, but it got a, it got a nice roar from the fans. It did, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. Good stuff. So. And, then, and then a minute later is when... Um, this is where I got quite emotional. I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. When Zaha went down, he was holding his hands and he was calling for the mix straight away. So I think he knew his, his game was done. Um, and then just the reception that he got from, well, from the whole ground, but obviously he walked past the Arthur Way and the Homestale. Um, and you just wonder whether that's actually going to be his last game in a Palace shirt. 
Um, so yeah, sad. If it is, it'd be a sad ending for him. But um, yeah, he's, well, he's just been a magnificent servant for the club. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I must confess, I didn't get emotional because I I don't think it will be the last time we see him. Um, and I, I'm not going to tell you why just now because we're talking about the game. But I think we'll yeah. see Wilf again somehow. Um, but yeah, there we are. Oh. So you got emotional, did you, Ferg? I did. I did get emotional. Yeah, because. You know, it's almost it's almost a lifetime, isn't he? He's been at the club, you know, he's come through the youth, you know. Almost as long as Jim played, you know. I mean almost yeah. as long, you Yeah, he's it's just um if it, if it is his last game, you know, it'd be a shame to go out like that. Um scoring a hat trick against Forest last game of the season, that's what you want. Yeah, let's just stop you over it. Jim, do you remember your last game? Yeah, I remember it well. We played Man City. Uh, I think there was about 17, 18,000 there, and we won 2 0. But, yeah. but Steve Coppel obviously knew he was going to let me go because he let me go. The, went in to see him on the Monday, and uh, I just thought, well, why didn't you tell me before the week? Bear in mind, I've been there 18 years yeah. and spent all that time from a, a young 15 year old when I come down on trial. Yeah, and yeah. just to do that, and I've always respected him, but I didn't respect him for that. No, uh, yeah. I could have walked around the ground and said my goodbyes, but no, I was gone. And uh, that that's the only, I wasn't worried about not being there. Don't get me wrong. I was, to tell you the truth, I was, I'd become a bit stale in my mind. I was like, not, not that content with things. And, but I just felt that he could have, handled the situation better and the, and it's the only thing that I ever look back on thinking I would have just liked to have said cheerio yeah, but he, yeah. he never gave me the chance but I think maybe he was just frightened to tell me that he didn't want to sign me again so, he, was, he was younger than you wasn't he yeah yeah Steve was he's about four years younger than me so yeah yeah, yeah. Was he younger than you? Yeah, I, I, I guess maybe you know, you know. Let, let's not go there too much tonight, but maybe the naivety of a young manager. Um, but I, I hear what you're saying, and I've heard you say that before. Actually, now you mention it again tonight. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think it's probably a bit different these days. Um, you know, so but but having said that, of course, if Fergus is right and Wilf is injured for the rest of the season, and he goes, then Wilf has hardly said a goodbye properly, has he? Really, you know, he's hobbled off, you know, that's not a goodbye, is it? You know, so. No, not really. But but then he can, he'll be there the last game of the season. I that's mean, he's not going, I would doubt very much he'll play. If he's got a hamstring, he's finished this season. Yeah. But he'll be there, he can wander around, the, we got the last game at home, he can wander around the stadium and if he feels that he's saying farewell, he can do that. But I've got a feeling he won't go. I've got Plus, he's getting these injuries as well now. You know, yeah. like teams look at he'll be thirty-one, I think, this year, yes. and uh, teams teams look at that. That's two hamstrings and a groin in the last six weeks, eight weeks, two months. Uh, so, unfortunately, time catches up with you as a professional sports person, and uh, indeed. Indeed. it's uh, it's something that maybe teams will look at. So, I'd love him to stay. I mean. With the players we've got, and then he'll be the older generation, but he's he, he still gets you off your seat, doesn't he? So, 
Absolutely. Right, Jim, we're going to move on, uh, do the rest of the game, otherwise we're going to run out of time. But if we've got time, we'll come back to this Wilfred Zaha issue towards the end of the show. So, Fergus, back to you, my friend. Yeah, OK. So, there was a couple of chances after that, I think. Um, Elise uh, had a shot that curled well over. And then, again, down the right flank. Uh, and a low cross into the box. And I think it was cleared by a, a Bournemouth defender, Mepham, I think. And... Uh, if he hadn't have done that, IU was waiting in the background just to tap it in. So, so a couple of chances. Then the 58th minute, Eze scores his uh, sec- second goal. Um, ah, well, I mean, again, just absolutely sublime. And I know people are sort of saying if this was a man that Liverpool, you know, they'd be cooing over themselves. But they're, they're, it was just such a fantastic ball from Elise across the park from his own half. The first touch from Eze superb brings it down and then he just cuts across the face of the area and uh smashes it into the top corner and i don't know you can't see it in that frame but there was actually six bournemouth players around him when he had that shot i think um it was just <laughs> they were all drawn to him and he still managed to get a shot off and and score top corner absolutely brilliant goal um and that's his 10th goal of the season it was elisa's 10th assist for the season which I think it's a record for Palace. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how many Conor Gallagher got last year. I think it was nine, wasn't it? I think it was... I think <coughs> Elise has he's set a new record at Palace already for the most assists in the, in the season. Um, Premier League season, I think. Mm. Premier League season, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if you guys want to come in and just, you know, put your comments on the goal, but... Eulogise over the goal. Eulogise, yeah. absolutely, yeah. The pass, the oh. elite safe pass was amazing. It was, it was sensational. Yeah, indeed. Tim, your thoughts on the goal? Yeah, I mean, it was. I think that was the pleasing thing yesterday was just the calibre of the approach play. Bakure um, for me is our probably player of the season. Um, the way he's developed his first season in the Premier League, the way the last few games is bossed the middle. But the goal, yeah, I mean, the, the pass from Elise, I mean, world-class pass. But it was the movement of the other players to allow Eze the space to do his run. That's, for me, the pleasing thing this season. It's not only the goal or the way they're playing, but how the other players, like Hughes coming in yesterday, what a performance and hardly played, hardly played this year, but still yeah, to be able true. to come on and do that level of performance. So, yeah, the goal, the goal was world-class, but... You know, Wardy, the all-round play, uh, especially the last few weeks, amazing what confidence does for a team, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, so we're 2-0 up and, and sort of cruising, aren't we then? We are, yeah. And uh, I, I don't think we took our foot off the gas, so to speak, but we were we were comfortable. Bournemouth made three changes around the 60th minute. One of those was Vina. They took off. He was the one that was getting roasted by Elise all the time. Um, so they had to, I think they had to change it because they knew that... It, a chance of conceding more goals. Um, Elise had a he had a he had a shot in the seventieth minute. Neto straight at Neto. Seventy um, seventh minute, Riedevel comes on for Hughes, and I'm mentioning that because two minutes later he make, it makes an instant impact, doesn't he? He has a shot at goal, and it manages to go all the way across the goal and out for a throw on, <laughs> which the crowd <laughs> loved. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that was funny. Um, and then the 81st minute, MacArthur comes on for Decore to a great reception. 
you know, everyone singing his name um, must have been good for him. It's good to see him back. Um, and I don't know if we're going to talk about players that might be leaving the club, but he's obviously one of them. Yes. Um, and then I think Bournemouth's, well, first opportunity, really, 85th minute to, to potentially get a shot on target. Um, Cook, uh, he had a free kick from distance. And, well, it just went sailing up into the um, into the White Horse Lane then, didn't it? Up into the executive boxes and uh, to the cheers of the Palace fans. And, you know, oh, what the hell was that? You know, singing around the, the ground. I won't, I won't repeat the exact words. But... Absolutely. And then, um, yeah, and then, well, we've seen the game out. First yellow was in the 96th minute. Palermo, kick on Eze. And then Brooks got a yellow. Um, second yellow for bundling over IU. And then right at the end, Eze has a free kick just on the left of the 18-yard box for a hat-trick. But um, he puts it over. So, And that's it. End of the game, I think. It was a, a really, a really great performance for Palace. They bossed the whole game. Um, quite comfortable. I know if, uh, Nigel's going to put the stats up, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just so one-sided according to the stats. 60% possession, 17 shots to their five, five on target for us, none for Bournemouth, 11 corners to their two, um, five fouls. To their 12 and it should have really been six with um anderson but he, he managed to get away with that <laughs> thank you fergus thank you dirty bournemouth twice as many fouls as us um up from the south coast <laughs> um, i was talking to a couple of their fans on the way back and uh they have been bankrolled you know it's been between 50 and 70 million i think in the january window um and their model of american investors is not dissimilar to our own um, we probably haven't got time to look at that in any detail tonight, but um, they're, a, they're a club that mean to stay in business in the Premier League, having gone down, having been there previously. Um, now, great, thanks, guys. Um, we can talk, we can come back and talk more about the game a little bit later on, but I'm, I'm conscious of time. We've got a special guest this evening that I want to introduce you to you all in the, in the chat if you're watching. So, with me tonight, welcome Jamie Groves to the Red and Blue Review. Thank you. How are you tonight, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. That's good. Now, Jamie is here because Jamie is the main organiser of a charity game that's going to be at Selhurst um, in uh, a couple of weeks' time on the 29th of May. It's the Bank Holiday Monday after the Forest game, and um, Jamie's going to tell us more about that in a minute. And the reason I really wanted to um, get involved in this and to... Um, invite Jamie on is because of this young lady. Now, this guy's, and I could get emotional now, this is my youngest granddaughter. Her name is Liberty, Libby, to her mates. And that's her today. She looks much better today than she did when she was in Great Ormond Street. Now, she's got a rare condition that she uh, is treated for, and uh, she visits Great Ormond Street. In fact, she's back there tomorrow with my daughter, her mum. And um, she's fine. She's, she's, she acts like a normal little toddler. You wouldn't really know to look at her. But she has got this um, condition to do with her lymph system that is extremely rare. It's um, it's uh, really some of the doctors have never seen it before in the UK. They have American influence on it and everything like that. And she um, was in both Evelina in London, which is the Children's Hospital attached to St Thomas's, 
uh, where she was blue lighted to, where they saved her life. And then they moved her to Great Ormond Street in 2021. And she was in hospital for a total of 103 days. So Great Ormond Street were brilliant. They're very dear to our heart. And Jamie feels the same. Because Jamie, you've got a story yourself, haven't you, with your family? I have, yeah. So um, it's about eight, 18 years ago, um, I got twin cousins. Unfortunately, one passed away at three months old. But Great Ormond Street did everything they could to help my other cousin uh, survive. So my cousin is still actually being treated uh, for one reason or another, even to this day. But going back, they did save her life. Um, Charlotte, who co-organises Goal to Gosh with me, um, she had her, her little daughter um, weeks prematurely. So again, they, they helped her. So it's really sort of personal to her as well. I've got many friends, uh, one in particular. He's been a great supporter for the last couple of years with Goals for Gosh. He uh, lived in Hong Kong. I met him in Hong Kong. Uh, unfortunately, his little girl had uh, an eyesight problem. Um, and Great Ormond Street and the family got in contact and he moved his life back from Hong Kong to the UK and Great, Great Ormond Street uh, saved her eyesight. So there's many, many stories that are connected, not just to me, to friends and even to some of the players um, that are taking part in the event as well. So, so brilliant. Thanks, Jamie. So tell us a little bit about the event then, how it all started and what motivated you, uh, isn't you need to sell us anymore, uh, to yeah. get involved in this? Uh, it started 2021. So I had this crazy idea um, six weeks prior to the game that I wanted to hold uh, uh, basically a charity football game. During the pandemic, um, I helped supply PPE to uh, one of the actors, uh, Tamar Hassan. And from there, he obviously got a good connection with some of the celebrities, some ex-pros, etc. Uh, he helped me with about four or five players and word just spread. Um, we managed to get actors, comedians, ex-professional footballers, um, and so on and so on. And over the, this is the third year we're doing it now. Um, and we are getting even more, uh, even more players who want to get involved. Last year and this year, I've had to turn players away just because the squads are completely rammed. Um, you'll see this year that Ian Holloway is going to be one of the managers, um, which we're like over the moon about. Uh, we've got a former Crystal Palace uh, winger Wayne Meltledge, who's also taking part. Um, so that this game, there's there's three parts to this year's event. So the main event starts at half past six kickoff, uh, where you'll see Ian Holloway, Anton Ferdinand, Jay Bothroyd, Ian Sanderson. Tam Hassan, those at Love, Love Island, you'll see a few reality TV stars, Luca Fish, Ron Hall. Um, and in in the afternoon, we've got an All-Stars tournament, which is a new thing. It starts at three o'clock. Um, there's four teams. Uh, two of the teams are mixed between celebrities, ex-pros, and some parents or guardians that have or still have their children under the care of Gosh. Um, and they're taking on, there's, there's one team that is going to be captained by uh, Tam Hassan and it's also going to be an ex-Crystal Palace player, um, Adrian Mariapa playing as well. Oh, right, okay. So yeah. Fingers crossed, he actually messaged me the other day, he said, I'm going to be there, hopefully hungover. So if Salford City get to the playoff final and they win it, then um, it's the day after the playoffs. So yeah, right? he'll be there. And um, someone said in the chat that is Big Jim playing. So, Jim, you know, I, you know, I'd love to play, but my legs when I, I've got a bad back at the moment anyway. But my legs just when 
my lungs wouldn't work. So <laughs> we, we will have to give up at some point. So there's quite an array of stars you got there. So how did you get the word out to these, uh, you know, not just the the ex professional yeah. footballers, but the, the 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 celebrities, you know, the people that have been on TV and all the rest of it. Um, it, it's probably started with Tam Hassan. Um, and then he spoke to a few people. Um, and then it was just me pestering people. Uh, the way of social media these days, I would I would email them. I would go into their inbox on um, Instagram or Facebook and then just hoping that someone would reply. And they do reply. Um, or contacting their agents uh, via email and then just getting a response that way. And then what I found is they all speak to each other. So I I have had people come to me saying, I want to be a part of it, or they've got a story. So we have one footballer this year who reached out to us uh, and she had a story um, and she's she's taking part. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's Everyone just comes together and they want to support each other. And it does, whether it's connected to them personally, I think it, it seems to me that everybody knows somebody that's had a dealing with Great Ormond Street or, or, or the NHS because, you know, the NHS have played a massive part. Um, and me and Charlotte have been quite lucky to be recognised for things that we've done. Uh, we're now official Great Ormond Street ambassadors as well. Wow, brilliant. Um, which, is, which is amazing. Um, it's not just the football that we do. I recently ran the Brighton and London Marathon for Great Ormond Street. It's two marathons in three weeks. Um, that was painful. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, at Christmas time as well, I, I had a FaceTime call from Cesc Fabregas. Um, so, so he knew I, we were nominated for it was Cheers for Christmas campaign so it was like a, a hero within the community and he rang me and him and his football club donated £10,000 to Great Ormond Street um, for doing what we're doing so it's yeah I'd say it's not just the UK it, we're getting around Europe so it's, it's a good thing That's fantastic so do you know how much money you've raised in those three years? Yes yeah, so this is our third year I, th- I think an estimate we're about 80, 85,000 pounds. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. stuff. So, and and then, you, I mean, you don't have to tell us this, but have you got a target in mind for the event at Sellers Park that you'd like to I've, raise? Do you know what? I've always said that every penny counts. Um, we would love to break that 100,000 pounds, so like another fifteen to 20,000 um, pounds. I think we're pretty much almost there, but we've even kicked a ball. Um, we get a lot of support from sponsors, um, from families, friends, you name it. We, we've been so much support. Um, I've had three friends that have just taken on um, a, a challenge in the the Nepal challenge, like climbing the mountain up there. And they've raised around £9,000 and teamed up with Goals for Gosh from Great Ormond Street. So, Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. If you've got a question for Jamie and you want to ask it in the chat, then then do quickly. There's a lot of love for you already there, Jamie. Oh, I can see you. people saying, well done, great work. So so thank you so much. Um, and, you know, I suppose when you do have a memory of your close family that is under Great Ormond Street, it does it does resonate and it does mean that, you know, you realise what great work they do. Um, yeah. I mean, my wife and I used to visit every weekend. For well, I think we, went, we worked out, we did 13 weekends on the trot when we took the big girls, uh, Libby's elder sisters, to see her younger sister, and uh, for the parents to swap over, because when when someone's that age, she was 15, 16 months, 
one of the parents had to be with her the whole time. So the yeah. daughter and son-in-law had a week on, week off. You know, it was a tough old time for us as a family. Uh, and you know, and, and Libby, she's as I said earlier, she sort of seems fine herself, but she's on, she's being treated all the time, and she's not quite out of the woods. So. You know, but we're very grateful for her, obviously. Um, I wasn't so grateful for her last night about one in the morning because they stayed over last night and uh, she wanted to play with me and talk to me at one in the morning saying, you know, I'm awake, she was seeing, but, you know, you wouldn't have it any other way, would you? you know, so no, of course good not. Stuff. Of course. No. Um, listen, it's brilliant. How do people watching this, how do Palace yes. fans buy tickets? We've got it across the bottom of the screen there, but, but what's the yeah. easiest way of buying tickets, Jamie? you got that way there. Um, you've also got, uh, if you follow us on Instagram at goals for gosh or Facebook, you'll see a link in our bio um, and you just click there. You can donate uh, or you can buy your tickets um, as well. Um, we haven't released it yet, but I'll tell you here, those that can't make the game, that it will be streamed live as well uh, on our YouTube. It will be on our platforms. Um, and you can uh, pay on the gate. Uh, it would be card payment only, but we would appreciate. We've only got limited capacity, uh, unfortunately, so we don't have the whole stadium. Um, so if you buy your tickets in advance, just to avoid any disappointment. Um, and I must say an amazing thing, a big sort of thank you to Crystal Palace. So we, me and Charlotte, are going to be invited to an executive box. We are sponsoring the Crystal Palace Nottingham Forest game. So we will be on the pitch just before kickoff. Um, we'll be in the program. Um, so yeah, we're excited for that as well. So excellent. Um, we'll look out for you at the forest game for sure. Um, anything any of the other three on the panel want to add to this? Any comments? No, great, great buzz, Jamie. I'll I'll come up if you've got one of the boxes, I'll come up and have a chat with you. Uh, at the forest Thank game. You. I'll find yeah. out what what will the box be under? What your name or you'll be under goals for gosh. I think we're in box. I, th I was there the other day. I think they're giving us box 10 and 11. Okay, well, I, I mean, the lads come around anyway, but I'll if Finn Solaire and John Shalaka are there, I'll yeah. uh, bring them up. Thank you so uh, much. That's, that's fantastic, Jim. That's brilliant. And I hope that the people in the box they're going to good, you know, recipients of people that, uh, um, yeah. We've got um they're going to some of the players that are taking part uh in the game sort of the following following evening. Um uh, and then there's people that have donated um through Great Ormond Street, so they've got some spots as well. Uh some of our sponsors and we're inviting people from Great Ormond Street. And even on the day, we're gonna have mascots uh that children from Great Ormond Street or have been under the care of Great Ormond Street. There'd be Great Ormond Street volunteers there, Bernard the Bear, the mascot. We've got so much going on face painters live music arts and crafts it's not just about football it's it's a big family event so that's what yeah, we're trying I, to make i think libby's a bit young to be a mascot i think it would phase her a bit she's only three but um, maybe next year who knows next year. Um, tim you wanted to come in yeah no it, it's um it's quite dear to my heart as well when i've um spent a bit of time in great Ormond street myself when i was younger so yeah i've seen stuff firsthand that goes on there so anything that can be done to help me is amazing if you ask me yeah thank you and colin squire says in the chat black taxes give gosh patients free rides to that hospital um is it, i think it doesn't happen every time but a lot of the time it does my daughter's certainly been a recipient of it when you get out the station and you say great ormond street it's almost like an unwritten rule amongst cabbies don't charge so amazing yeah <laughs> excuse me Thank <laughs> you.
Right, I coughed at the wrong moment there. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank really you. good to have you on the show. And uh, we look forward to the game. Can't wait. Really looking Perfect. forward to it. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Yeah, best of luck, Jamie. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, mate. Cheers, mate. Right. One other thing I want to talk about tonight very briefly is to give this a quick plug is the um, DSA um, AGM and Social Evening on the 10th of June. We've had Bruce on the show before now. So this is open to anyone. Um, there'll be players there. I think, Jim, you're going along to this. Is that right? I missed that. You're coming along to this event on the 10th of June. Is that right? 10th of June. Tell me what it is. When you start coughing. Yeah, I know. It's in Sellers. It's, uh, it's in Spronis. But we put that up so everyone's got the information. Uh, right. No, I'm not. I'm losing, I'm losing my voice. Ferg, talk to us about the um, pre-season tour. Oh, right. Which one? So, yeah, Chicago and Detroit. Uh, 20, is it 25th to the 31st, I think? Um, yeah, so... Um, Obviously, you can see that we're playing. Is it Millennials and Sevilla? Um, I think they're the Colombian champions. And obviously, Sevilla, we know from Spain. But, um, yeah, it's interesting because a lot of the people I went on tour with last year, I met at the game yesterday, and they've already booked their tickets, their flights, their hotels, and their travel, um, which is <laughs> pretty amazing. But, um, yeah, I've still got to, to broach the subject. With the other half to see, uh, we've lost Jim during that moment, so hopefully, he's going to come back. Um, if you're watching Nick Philpot, can you um just give Jim a nudge and tell him he's welcome to come back on the show? Um, maybe his connection went. Um, but yeah, so Crystal Palace traveled to Chicago and Detroit to face European heavyweight Sevilla and South American outfit Millionarios. I think that's how you say it in two high-profile pre-season fixtures at the end of July. Um, the Eagles will be touring stateside for the first time since the summer of 2016, following the success of last year's landmark trip to Singapore and Australia. Um, they're 15-time league champions in Colombia, the um, Millioneros, and um, that game will be on the 26th of July. And then we play... Um, severe on the 30th of July, I think. So if you're thinking of going, get it all booked up. There'll be a good contingent out there travelling from the UK. And, um, of course, uh, plenty of Palace fans stateside. Um, lots of Palace fans watch the games over there live all over America, we're told. Jim, you're back with us. It's almost a different Jim. There we are. <laughs> there we I'll be fine. I mean, I don't know what happened. <laughs> disappeared Don't i'm on my phone i've had to go on my phone so you're fine you're there what with your connection and my voice we're not doing too well tonight but never mind we'll try, <laughs> we'll try and carry on um yes yeah, so we're just talking about the pre-season two and now ferg's disappeared so oh my goodness me hang on it's i'm just going to switch the lights on so it's like a circus tonight but never mind just proves that it's all live there's nothing rehearsed about this at all so uh, there we go <laughs> Um, right, talk about the other club, other teams at the club, the under 21s. Um, they face the um, the PSV side in the Premier League International Cup on uh, Tuesday, the 23rd of May. It's a seven o'clock kickoff at Sellers Park. The tickets are now on sale, they're just a fiver or one pound for under 16s. 
and Academy Founder members are able to attend for free. So if you're an Academy Founder member, you can get into that one for nothing. And then the under-15s, um, last Friday evening, they won the under-15 Floodlit Cup National Final after a 3-1 victory against Stoke City. And uh, this was uh, the uh, still of the uh, second goal, I think it was, when um, this guy, Okoli, I think you could say his surname, and he scored from his own half. I think that picture doesn't do it justice, but he's in the middle there. The keeper's off his line. He chips in from his own half. Amazing. So congratulations to the young lads there. Um, national champions. The future is bright. The future is red and blue. And then with the news of the women's um, set up this week, they've finished their season, but welcome to the club, to Grace Williams, um, the new head of women's football at Crystal Palace. So welcome, Grace. Oh, he's off again. Bless him. Oh, dear. I've lost my voice completely. Right. Okay. Um, somebody else take over. Someone else talk about something. What do you want to talk about, Jim? Talk about the player of the year. Who's going to be yeah, our player, player of the year? year. Who's, going to be, who's going to be a player of the year? If you can remember the early part of the season. It's a long time, long time ago. But who's, who's the candidates, you reckon? At least he's got to be in there. Yeah, I would say at least. I mean, I would say Eze, but he didn't play much. He only came on as sub under... I mean, the way he's played the last few games, you would say he'd be right in there. But he, if he didn't sort of fixture much in the early part of the season. And he was only ever coming on as like a late sub with Patrick. I, I, if I was looking... Uh, Gaeta was quality early on in the season, so uh, I've gone again. Where am I going? You're still there. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of comments in there. Uh, Mark Gee, Decore, um, Eze's in there. Uh, Wardy, you know, that's a pretty good shout. Uh, I think you got two. Uh, to, to be fair, I think you've Got choice of two, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. And thank oh, God yeah. Joe's not on tonight. Um, but I'd say Decore has got to be up there, and I think are you purely for his effort? You know how many games has he played? He's scored a couple of goals, but the effort he puts in, the free kicks he wins us. You, you've got to look at him the way he's played this year. The consistency, you've got to say. What, what I see, I can't, I can't believe Jim. Actually, you you went through all those other players, and you didn't say Mark Gahey. Well, yeah, but I I lost contact with you. I hadn't finished. Okay, um, carry on. The two the two most consistent players this season have probably been Anderson and Gahey, and I'm going to go again because my phone or something's gone daft. Um, yeah. I wouldn't, I'd probably, I mean, the Curry, yeah, Tim, he's done well, but uh, Elise, you know, he's been really good lately. But I think consistency over uh, 38 games, I think one of the centre halves or even the goalkeeper, because he kept us in a lot of games early on in the season. Yeah, I think the fact that he lost his place recently would probably mean that he doesn't quite edge it for me. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 
But um, but I think for me, um, my vote would be Mark Gahey. I think he hasn't yeah. done anything. I think he's just been immense all season. You know, really good. Yeah, I would agree with you. Okay, Ferg, who would you go for? I'd have to, I'd have to say Mark Gee as well. Um, Elise, I think, has had a great season. I mean, there's quite a few players that you can mention, Wardy, um, as a back end. But I think Mark Gee's been the most consistent. And and the fact that there's plenty of teams sniffing around him now, wanting to offer 60, 70 million for him, you know, he's obviously doing something right. Um, so, yeah, probably Mark Gee for me. Tim, who are you going to go with if you had to vote for someone? If I was going to vote for someone, it would be Decorey. I've, I've got to say, um, what he's been in the middle has been immense. But that's an interesting point that Ferg raises. And I think, you know, you look back and again, you've got to applaud Parrish and Friedman signing the likes of Elise Eze, Gehi to five-year contracts. So even if clubs do come sniffing along, they're going to have to pay serious amounts of money if they want to, uh, if, if they want to take them which can only help us out in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I, I just think that we, if we can hold together the players we have and add one or two, then I think we'll be a force. You know, I really do. You know, why not? Yeah. Why not? And do you think that might help as a Mike Zaha to stay? And if he can see that we can keep that calibre of player, is that something that might actually sway him to stay in the end? I, I, believe, I believe it would. Um you know, um, Michael Elise here. There we are. There's a tweet there. Um, 21 year old has a, con has a contract at Sellers till 2026. The Palace are eager to tie him down for a bumper long term deal. But to answer your question, Tim, yeah, I, I think that the more players that commit their future to the club, and, you know, if we add one or two more, then I think that's a, a potentially a reason why Wilf might want to stay. I think with Wilf, we talked about this slightly earlier. My take on Wilf is this. He's got his contract on the table. Whether we agree with the £200,000 a week or not is another thing. But we're told that the contract on the table is £200K a week uh, for four years, which is um, against the policy of our club at the moment because they did say anyone over 30, one-year deal only, blah, blah, blah. That's the reason that um, Cheki Kaute left because he didn't get his two-year deal. Now, Wilf's a special case, isn't he? You know, he's, he's our talisman. He's probably the single reason why we're still in the Premier League after all this time, really, you know, if you, if you look at it. So, they've made him this super-duper offer. I think it depends what other offers come along at the end of the season. I think if he gets something that's really good that takes him to Arsenal or somewhere else, he might well leave. But I don't think, as Jim alluded to earlier, because of his age, because of his injuries... I don't think anyone else is going to pay that kind of money. I really don't. I really don't. And and therefore, that brings us back to the only other option being abroad. Does a, does a Champions League team from another country come in and offer him a deal? I don't think he'll want to go and play abroad. I really don't. So that's why I think, ultimately, I think he'll stay. But that's my reasoning. But um, I might be totally wrong. What, what about the rest of you? What do you think? Tim? I kind of, the only thing, I'd like to see him stay in some ways, but then, as we've said over the past few weeks, look how well we played when he isn't playing. The freedom there seems to be when he isn't playing seems to go through the team, but then you look how 
we played yesterday with him. So I, I'd like to see him stay purely from the point of what I think he can give to the younger players in our squad. Okay. Like a mentoring, you know. Okay, that's what you'd like to happen. What do you think will happen? I think he'll stay. I, I, I think, think he'll stay. he will stay. Okay. Um, Jim, what do you think will happen? Um, I'm not sure, really. Uh, it depends what's motivating them. I mean, is it to play in a top six side and get Champions League or money? If it's money, I would suggest he would go because he's gone for nothing. He can get a £20 million sign-on fee from a lot of clubs. A lot of clubs will pay £20 million for a player like that. Um, so it's a difficult one. But I was told by a very good source that he's changing his agent and that's in the end of June. So he probably won't make any decision until he's got out of the agency deal he's got at the moment. I, I may be wrong there, but the chap that told me was very knowledgeable. So, But as a Palace fan, I'd love it to stay. Uh, whether we'll get four years out of him, I don't care. Like, But I think he's a great asset. He's, And I think with the emergence of the other players, along with we need another midfield player, a centre-forward and another full-back, then we'll have a, an exceptionally strong squad for next season. Yeah, I, I think that story about the agent was in The Athletic as well. So, I yeah, think there's yeah. in that for sure. Uh, what do you think will happen, Fergus, to Wilfred Zaha at the end of this season? So, I would like him to stay. I think he's going to wait and see what offers are on the table. Okay. I, I know I know that he he's very settled where he is and he does get homesick he was i don't think he liked it up in manchester i think that was too far from home so he's younger then, though, it? it was 10 years ago so it's... yeah but but i can't see him i can't see him settling aboard I, I, a lot of people are saying 200k a week is a lot of money for for zaha for four years but then when you think about he's on six he'll be on nine so okay he's the wages go up but we're keeping a player that's potentially still worth 30 or 40 million pounds. We don't have to go out and spend that money to replace him. And yep. we can bring in, we can bring in the defenders and the midfielders, you know, that everyone's suggesting that we need in the chat yeah. to, to take that next step forward, you know, to finish in the top 10, to maybe challenge for Europe. Um, and, 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 and it's to have Zaha in any squad, you know, you're, you're only going to be stronger. So, Yes, I'd like him to stay. Will he stay? I don't know. I really don't know. I think if he's changing his agent, he's going to obviously wait to see what comes in. Um, I don't know how long that offer will be on the table for him, to be honest with you. I don't know. If... Who, who knows? Who knows? Will he stay or will he go? We'll keep talking about this. This is like a soap opera. It will run and run <laughs> until the end of the season here on the Red and Blue Review. We'll talk about this as long as you want us to talk about it um, as the season wears on. We've got two games left of this season. And then it'll all be over for another few months. And, of course, uh, next Saturday, we go to Fulham. Um, some of us on a boat trip beforehand um, up the town. <coughs> always a tradition about away day. And then we come to the final day on the Sunday, the 8th, 28th of May, for Nottingham Forest for the visitors. And I said at the top of the show, real quirk of fate that the three promoted clubs are our last three fixtures. It gives us a, a reasonable run. We've won the first one. 
how do we think we're going to get on next Saturday at the Cottage? Um, Tim, your prediction for Saturday was rubbish. You got it wrong. You said a draw. Um, what do you think about this weekend at Fulham, Tim? 1-1. One, 1-1 one. One, one again. That's all he says. Yeah. He says 1-1 one, one all the time. Um, what about you, Jim? What do you think? How are we going to do? Uh, hopefully we'll get a draw. You're going uh, to draw, well, I'd rather have a win, but I think what a draw think would be a good result. What do you think will happen? What do I think will happen? Yeah. We'll get a draw. Okay. <laughs> one all or two all or nil-nil? Uh, I'm really good at giving you goals. Two all. Two all we're going with, Jim. Okay. And Ferg, I'll, I'll two one for you, yeah? Uh, yeah. Yeah, funny enough. <laughs> uh, but they've got Mitrovic back, haven't they? So, you know, I think that, that that's going to make a difference. It's going to make it a little bit more. Did he come off the us. bench for them at Southampton and score? I think he did. Yeah, didn't he, he did. Yeah, he did. He got a yeah. yeah. From yeah, a corner, okay. I think, was it? <laughs> but don't forget, Anderson knows him well because Anderson played with him at Fulham. You know, he was there at Fulham, wasn't he, for a season, Anderson? So yeah, break I, his I nose just, as well. It's all good. Yes. I just hope we play better than we did at home. Yeah, we, yeah. Mitrovic really won't cool. fancy coming up against um, uh, Joachim Anderson, will he? Because he knows he's going to get a right hook if he's not careful. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for a 2-0 um, win like we won yesterday, 2-0. So, 2-1, people saying. Ian, don't forget, Mitrovic is from Serbia, and you know what happens. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, murder and all that, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully, Luka Milivojevic, he won't be playing, but he can give him a bit of stick on the side. Um, so, um, Nick, when he's on the show, he talks about Carl's Matrix. Um, the Carl's Matrix says, uh, week 36, Palace cruise to victory, 43 points and 12. Um, and the prediction is we're going to finish on 46 points. So, they think we're only going to win one of these games and lose one of them. Um, I'm going to go for two more wins, but but we'll just concentrate on next weekend for now. We've got two draws and two wins from the panel, and uh, um, people in the chat are generally positive about how it's all going to go at the cottage next Saturday afternoon. I'm looking forward to that one very much indeed. Okay, guys, so um, that is all for tonight. I think we've just shot over the hour mark. Um, don't forget, we are back again next Sunday evening, hopefully with Nick Philpott returning, we hope. Um, next Sunday, the 21st of May at 8 o'clock. Until then, have a very good evening and a good week and up the palace. See you later. Good night, everyone. Thank you.